Have you ever thought about why we give gifts at Christmas time? I mean, like, where did that come from? Some of you are going to grab your phone and Google it. Just give it, come, give me some time, all right? Where, some, basically, nobody can tell you really, okay? Some say it started because the wise men brought gifts to Jesus. Okay, but last time I checked, we're not giving most of our gifts to Jesus, right? I mean, we're giving them to each other, right? I mean, so what's the deal with that? That spirit of giving, I, I understand. Probably some of you, your greatest joy and others, your greatest stress is figuring out the gifts at Christmas time. I've watched my wife through the years, adding children and then grandchildren, creating columns and going through and trying to figure out. And at times she would go, okay, the money adds up, but the number of gifts don't add up, you know, and you start trying to figure all that out. I heard a celebrity, I guess you would call him, being interviewed. And this week they were talking about him participating in this thing of giving to, an, I guess you would call it, underprivileged or challenged community. And surely he knew what the question was going to be. But the first question right off the bat was, so, so why do you do this? And he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he didn't want to say because I have millions and they have nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was trying to figure out how to answer it. He started talking about trying to give back. I mean, there is that, that sense of wanting to give to people who don't have anything that happens this time of year. And that sense of giving to those we love, lots of thought goes in. You know, I'm, I've never been one all that excited about gift giving and gift receiving and we were in a church and Gary Chapman who was on our staff some of you've read the five love languages and I'm, I decided I better know what those are if I'm going to be working with him and I'm reading through and there's one that talks about the gift of you know giving and receiving gifts and I thought oh my that's my daughter Carmen every time I'd go on a trip she'd say bring me back something cool and I'd say Carmen I'm not going on this trip to buy stuff for people, okay? And so I, I realized I had to apologize to her in her adult life. Honey, you did know that I loved you, right? I mean, I, I, never, I never bought you all the little gifts you were looking for and the things that, that spoke your language. She said, yeah, Dad, but my second love language is words, and you wore me out on that. So, so, uh, so at least I did something to show her that I loved her. But giving and receiving gifts, I mean, I'm just, just telling you, it's... It's not been something I've focused on because usually during the Christmas season, I'm, I'm focused on so many other things. And the Bible says that God gave an indescribable gift. It's interesting that Paul talks about how a church is giving an offering and meeting needs. And at the end, he just shouts out this one exclamation. One of the shorter verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 9 Verse 15, look at what it says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How do we describe God's gift? How do we explain the inexplainable? Describe the indescribable. Well, there's some qualities that go into just about every gift that there, there is. 
And this morning, I want us to apply some of those things to the gift that God has given us. When you think about a gift, it first must be prepared and purchased. How did God prepare his gift? Well, he promised it a long time ago. Isaiah 9, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Or back a couple of chapters earlier, a virgin shall conceive and a son will be born and they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. From the garden when God promised to defeat Satan to the promise that he made to Abram, to the promise that he made to David, to the promise that all of the prophecies pointing to his coming, the odds that one person would be born in the place he was born, in the way that he was born, indescribable, not comprehensible. I remember the first time I heard the, the story of trying to say what would be the odds that you could make all those prophecies all those years earlier and then it be fulfilled in one person the way that it was. And I think it was Josh McDowell who said, if you take the state of Texas and you put it knee deep in silver dollars. Now, for those of you that hadn't checked, Texas is a pretty big state, all right? If you don't believe it, just ask any Texan, okay? They'll tell you how big. I lived there for a while, okay? I, I understand. it take you all day to drive from, from uh, Shreveport, I mean, not uh, from Louisiana as it crosses over the border to make you all the way over to El Paso. Or you can go down to the bottom of uh, the Texas at the point down in Metamoros, Mexico, right there at Brownsville, and drive all the way to the Panhandle. Take you another day to drive it that way. Huge state. If you put silver dollars in there, knee deep, and you just took one and you colored it in with a magic marker and made it black and had somebody go out somewhere in the state and drop it. And then you take someone by the hand and you say, all right, just walk in Texas as far as you want, as long as you want, and reach down and pick up one silver dollar. The chances that they would pick up that silver dollar in the state of Texas is the mathematical probability that all those prophecies could have been made about Jesus of when he would be born, where he would be born, how he would be born, and God orchestrating even the evil government to declare a census and Mary and Joseph to make their way to Bethlehem, the place where he was prophesied to be born. God prepared his gift. He went to a lot of trouble to make it happen. And in the prophecies that he made, that would be like us trying to pick out the perfect gift. Now, will it fit? Or will they want it? Or how will they use it? You want to buy your wife a ring? What size does she wear? You want to buy her clothes? What size does she wear? <laughs> you know, I mean, you see what she wears, but how do you go and buy the perfectly prepared gift? It was prepared and it was purchased. The purchase that was made didn't just start when God sent his son the way he did. Johnny said it earlier. The way he sent him 
for the purpose that he sent him was helping us understand God's indescribable gift. Seldom would one give their life for someone they love, but what about for their enemy? And yet the scripture says, when we were still enemies with God, God sent his son to redeem us, to pay the price, to buy us back. So God's indescribable gift, it was purchased, it was paid for. You know, you think about going to the store. We have a Kohl's right across the street from our house. This is not an advertisement, just stating the fact, all right? And if you go over there to shop, and often when you walk out, they have the little things that, that set off an alarm if they didn't take it off of the clothing that you bought or if they deactivated it incorrectly and people get stopped. Ah, what happened? What did I do, you know? Well, think about what it means to try to enter heaven without the price paid. On your own merit, on your own goodness, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift that he would purchase for us, that he would give to us a gift that paid for our sin and made a way for us to know God. So it was promised that he would do it as he prepared the gift. But he also prepared it when it was put together. Now, I, I didn't ask Johnny about what happened earlier this week, putting it together, but uh, at, at our house, when it comes time to put something together, do you know who does it? It's not me, all right? I can't do it. These hands don't do little things like that. And, and we are so old that we only have one video from our children's childhood. We, had, we didn't have enough money to buy one of those fancy camera things. So I borrowed one one time from the church, and it's become classic in our family uh, to go back and watch the one video we have from childhood. And partway through the video, KK is sitting there with a dollhouse, partially put together, and she has on her head one of the little pieces of the roof that she's just, I said, what are you doing, KK? I was smart enough to stay behind the camera the whole time. What are you doing, KK? She said, well, I'm putting this together. I said, so what's that on your head? She said, well, I think it's the cupola roof or something like that, <laughs> and it goes on there in a minute, but so far it just told me to take it out. It didn't tell me to put it on yet, so I'm just waiting, and I just thought, man, I, I don't ever read the directions. That's why I always have three or four pieces left over when I finish putting something together. It was a gift that God prepared. He picked out just the right one. He purchased it, and he made sure that it was put together just right so that we would get the benefit of what he did. It is a gift. It is an indescribable gift. Even though we can't understand how much we need it, Jesus had to come just the right way at just the right time and live without sin. The Bible describes him full of grace and truth. You try that. You can be a person with grace. You can be a person focused on truth, but hang them in perfect tandem. He was full of grace and truth. He overcame temptation. He loved the poor. He healed the sick. He demonstrated love in action. And it may sound harsh to us, but he didn't just come to teach us 
or even show us the right way to live because we know that on our own, we could never emulate and copy the way Jesus did it. But his indescribable gift is that he would come and he would do it for us. He prepared it. He purchased it. He put it together just right. Think about the qualities of a gift. And as you think about it, the gift has to be presented. I guess that's why we call them presents, you know? How do you present your gifts? Well, I decided with my son to teach him how to wrap gifts like a man. We would take the Sunday comics and we would take a whole lot of tape and it looked really, really ugly. And you didn't even have to say who it was from because the girls knew, mom knew that it was from me or from Josh just by the way it was wrapped. Think about the wrapping of a present. There's a name tag usually on it. And the kids go and they look around under the tree to see which gifts have their name on it. And then if you have one like my oldest daughter, she feels obligated to put the gifts together that go for each child. So Christmas morning would come and Carissa would say, now Katie, these are yours. You know, little mommy. Now, and these are mine. And Josh, these are yours. And Carmen's, these are yours. So the gifts arranged with a name tag and maybe even like a ceremony. Did you ever have gifts under the tree that were sequential? Open this one first. And maybe you had one, two, three, four, but you maybe had opened this one last because it was going to blow the rest of the gifts, you know. And so you had to build it up and maybe even put hints around the house. All the ceremony of presenting the gifts. We have fun, don't we? Remembering the ceremony of God and his gift. As we watch Mary and Joseph on some kind of makeshift donkey. We watch them come and look for a place where they can go and spend the night. We watch the shepherds out in the field and the angels making the announcement. And we watch them as they hurry and they come. And not so much because we want to follow Matthew's account, but because we want to figure out a way to include some more kids if we're having a Christmas play, we make sure the wise men get to come. We don't worry about the fact that it didn't happen the same night. But they come and they bring their gifts and they bow down. The ceremony of presenting the gift. How does God present his gift to us? As the gospel is proclaimed, the good news, as the story is told of why God had to send his son, and the gift is presented, how does God make his presentation? The Spirit of God takes the word of God and drives home the truth of God. 
we were on one of our first mission trips when we were going door to door trying to tell the people on an afternoon the good news about Jesus. None of us spoke Spanish. We carried with us some English and Spanish New Testaments because we were, after all, right there on the border of Mexico. And we would go door to door, and usually someone would come to the door, and they would look at us and say, no habla inglés, and we would say in a very uh, broken, uh, no habla espanol, and then we would do what you always do when you can't speak another language. We would say it louder and softer, and by the, I mean louder, and we would say it very slowly, and we would assume that that would all of a sudden make them understand English when we would say, read this, you know, and we were handing out New Testaments, moving through the community, and a little boy saw me, and he said, Senor, Senor, what's that you're doing? I said, well, we're trying to speak to the people in the house here, but no one speaks Spanish, and he said, would you like for me to help? It's so humbling when you have a master's degree and a little nine, ten-year-old boy offers to be your translator. But he came with us. We went to the back. We sat on the porch with his mom and his grandmother and two of his aunts. And we told the story of Jesus. And when we finished explaining why Jesus had to come to earth, why he had to die on a cross, how he was raised from the dead, how we could receive forgiveness from him, I said, would you like to pray this prayer? And they all said, yes. And I looked at the teenagers with me and said, that was too easy. They must not have understood. So let me try it again. So I went back through that message of how Jesus came, what he did, why he died, how he was raised from the dead. And I said, would you like to receive this free gift of eternal life? And they said, yes. I said, okay, then I'm going to say the prayer in English. He's going to repeat it in Spanish, and then you repeat it. And so we did. And all of those ladies that day received the gift of forgiveness as it was presented to them. The word of God, the truth about Jesus, the spirit of God as he bears witness to the story, presenting the gift. That's how God presents it. So we got back on the bus and no other group had had an interpreter we were the only ones that could celebrate how exciting it was to let somebody pray and become a follower of Jesus. And everything seemed great until the next day when the little boy came up to me on the playground. It was morning. We were doing the little vacation Bible school. And he said to me, Senor, you know the prayer that you had the ladies of my prayer, of my house pray yesterday? Can I pray that prayer too? And I thought... Oh, Father, I'm such a jerk. I didn't even invite the little boy to personal faith. And it was like God said back to me, I know you're a jerk. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Help the little boy, okay? And so I led the little boy through a prayer, putting his faith in Christ. And then he ran back to play with the others, and I walked around the corner, and I said, Oh, Father, I'm just, I'm so thick how did I not notice that that little boy was helping me and I didn't even invite him to receive the gift and it's like the father said back to me learn this lesson now you don't save anyone it's the message of Christ that saves some of you have had 
preachers and teachers and people that later in life have walked away from God and broke your heart because of their personal sin, starting to make you question everything you'd ever heard or everything you ever learned. Let me ask you, did you ever see the scripture and what they taught? Yes, human frailty can be a message, uh, an agent of God to present a message, but it's not the person that saves. It's the message that saves. Remember how God presents his gift. I'm not in no way trying to excuse bad character, but I am trying to make sure you understand. When God presents this gift, he does it in a very simple way. He takes the word of God, he brings it home by the spirit of God, and he presents it to you. The gift is picked out, it's purchased, it's prepared, it's presented. And when it's presented, how do you respond? You have to receive it. You have to open it up. Listen to what the scripture says. The scripture says, these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. How do we receive God's gift? John said, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God, even those that believe on his name. Now, James later explains that believing is not just a set of mental facts where you say, I believe that Jesus came, I believe that he died, I believe he was raised, and people can say that and never be saved. What is true Bible faith? It's a transfer of trust from yourself to him. It's when you say, I know I cannot save myself. I never was quite sure what kind of prayer to lead people in when I was preaching or when I was sharing my faith. But most often I would start the prayer this way. God, I don't understand it all. But I know that I've sinned. And I know that I need a Savior. Bible faith doesn't declare that you figured it all out. Bible faith says that the word of God, the truth about Jesus, and the spirit of God convicting you, convincing you, bringing it at home, brings you to the point that you say, I see my need. I put my trust in him. That's how we receive this indescribable gift. Eternal life. Listen to what John says. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have the life. How do you have the Son of God? How do you have him? I have some coffee. I have a Bible. How do I have Jesus? Well, do you have a doctor? Do you have a lawyer? What does that mean? You have a doctor. You have one that you've entered into a patient relationship with. 
How do you have a lawyer? You have one that you've entered into a client relationship with? How do you have a savior? You've entered into a relationship with him. And just like the lawyer does lawyer things and the doctor does doctor things, the savior does savior things. Do you have a savior? All most preachers at this point will say to him, does he have you? And that's a good question. But today we're talking about you having the gift. John makes it so clear. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. Do you have him? Then John concludes by saying, I write these things to you so that you might believe in the name of the Son of God and that you may know you have eternal life. This morning, do you know it? Not your hope, not your guess. Do you know it? It's called assurance of salvation. Where does it come from? Not by your feelings, I'll assure you that. But by your faith that Jesus has done for you and has given you what you could never earn for yourself. For by grace you've been saved by faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of your works. Because if it were, we would be boasting. A gift is purchased and prepared, is presented, it's received. But most gifts have a lifespan. Have you noticed how you get things one Christmas and then you still have them next Christmas and you've never used them? There's some people who enter into creative regifting. But I need to warn you a little bit be careful on your regifting. I heard a story this week, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you from whom and call Carrie by name, but I heard a story this week that, that she gave, she was with her sister, and her sister said, I've got you this gift, and I think it was like a vest or something like that, and she said, hey, do you like it? She said, oh, I like it a lot. I liked it when I gave it to you last year. <laughs> and she said, I love it, and, and she still loves the gift. Be careful in your regifting. But what about the lifespan of God's gift? I thought about a limited warranty on a gift. I've already confessed to you that I'm sloppy and don't read the instructions. I also probably should confess to you, I'm usually sloppy and don't fill out the little card that registers the warranty of the thing I receive. Uh, I've tried to do it on a few really expensive things, but I, I'm not all that good at that. Why, why, do you, why do you do that to prove when you got it and how long it's supposed to last? The warranty, what's the warranty? What's the guarantee? What's the promise of replacement and function in God's gift? Well, it's called eternal life. What does that mean? It's eternal in its quantity. It's going to last forever. 
but it's eternal in its quality. It's a whole different kind of life. For when you have the Son, you have His eyes to see a broken heart. You have His love to care about what you would not care about. You have His forgiving Spirit living inside of you. You have His laying down of your rights living in you. You have His longing for others to know the truth living in you. When you have the Son, you have eternal life, but you don't wait till you die for it to kick in gear. You get to know it and live it now. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift that He prepared, that He purchased, that He presented, and that now we know how long it will function forever. Have you experienced God's gift? It's to be experienced. We complain about feelings because we know they shouldn't lead you. But God made us feeling people. We're feeling creatures. Johnny probably made some good and bad feelings surface just a moment ago. Thanks, Johnny. Leading us to prayer, he reminded us that some get very confused and some get very lonely and some get very sad thinking about what used to be and what's not now. This week I was talking to some missionaries asking them what it was going to be like to have Christmas on the mission field. One lady we'll call Linda. She told me of her mother that was sick back home who had just been put into a special facility calling an oncologist in expecting that she not only broke her hip but that she has some type of cancer. She said it's really hard to be here with my sister taking care of her back there and I'm reminded of all the Christmas celebrations that we won't go to and wow what a pointed prayer she listed on her response to my email. As you pray for me this Christmas, just pray that we'll find those quiet times to sit and think, Jesus really is worth it. The separation, the pain, the waiting, he's worth it. This morning, as I wish you a Merry Christmas, I wish that you could open your gift and see what it's like to know his presence, to experience Emmanuel, God with us, and to remember how much he loved you when he prepared it in a special way and put your name on the name tag and presented it to you by the message of Jesus and the Spirit of God convinced you that you needed a Savior. And now you can have him and you can know him and he can be yours. A missionary named Jimmy Hooten told the story 
He said, we'd been on the mission field for about 30 plus years and we were packing up everything to come home. It was our last stateside assignment. We would never be going back to the field as missionaries. And he said, I looked out across the field and there was an old man in Swahili. He would be called Mze, an elder, an old man. And Mze was walking his way. And Jimmy said, I, I saw him coming and I ran out to meet him. And he had two things in his hand. And I got there and I said, oh, Mze, you've come such a long way. I can't believe that you've come and spent two days walking and slept by yourself on the ground with lions around. Why did you come all of that way? He said, I came to bring you and your wife these gifts. He said it was two little giraffe skin sandals that they had made two pair and he was giving it to he and this Nancy I think is her name and he said I'm it's too long a trip you shouldn't have come that far he said oh Buana don't you know that the journey was the biggest part of the gift it was worth a whole lot more than the sandals Well, for us, we can't quite say that. The journey was far. The trip was long. But the gift that he bought fits perfect to our need, and it never wears out. This morning, I invite you to bow your heads and to thank God for his indescribable gift. Would you pray with me? If you entered this room knowing him, right now your response is to just sit before him and thank him. If you knew him before you came in, let him apply his gift to your deepest need. Let him speak to your heart about your deepest struggle. Let the word of God and the spirit of God bring home the truth of God that he is Emmanuel. He is God with you. And he made the journey to give you himself. And you have the son and you have the life. Thank him for his indescribable gift. And if you entered the room not knowing him and God has made it clear through his word by his spirit then pray that simple prayer. God I don't understand it all but I know I'm a sinner and I know I need a savior and right now I received your gift of forgiveness that Jesus bought when he died in my place. And all of us now can say, thank you, Lord, for your indescribable gift. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and we worship. Amen.